So how did everybody's week go this week? We'll take a minute and everybody needs to stand and share how their week went, okay? Um, Easter, um, if I could say this, when you're in the church business, <laughs> this week can be very heavy at times. I think the power, I think the, the bowels of hell just, just unleashes uh, and, and just Satan just attacks in all kinds of different ways. Um, I don't know, hopefully your week's been going well. This week I, ran, I was uh, out about doing some things and this older gentleman, uh, significantly older, was just in tears, just in tears. So I felt compelled to stop and talk to him. I'm like, man, you know, what's, what's going on? And he, he proceeded to tell me, he said, you know, I'm married to a 22-year-old woman, which I was doing the math, I'm like, wow, this is kind of odd, but you know. And he said, she gets up, she cooks, she makes me breakfast every morning. She makes me waffles, pancakes, sausage, raving biscuits. Uh, she makes fresh coffee, fresh squeezed orange juice. And I'm like, all right, well, <laughs> why are you crying? And he said, you know, and he went on. He said, you know, for lunch, she makes me everything that I, you know, anything that I want. She, she just, she thinks so much of me. She just puts the spread out and everything, you know, sandwiches, fresh bread, all this stuff. She cleans the house. She, she does everything. She's awesome. And I'm like, well, why are you crying? And he said, you know, in, in the evening, she makes me a steak. She makes me prime, she makes me prime rib. It's per, done perfectly. She, you know, baked potato. I mean, she is just, she watches sports with me. She loves U of M. She loves the New York Yankees. She hates Ohio State. And I'm like, I'm like, why are you crying? And he said, I don't know where I live. So I'll tell you that. I tell you that to say, what conjunction would you use in this sentence? The old man was crying. He forgot where he lived. What word would you put in there? What conjunction would you put in there? Because, right? You put because. Now, I told you that whole story because it's the only illustration I've got to, to get into where I'm going. And it's a big because. But here's the deal. Today, we're celebrating something that our faith hinges upon. And because is huge. And let me tell you how huge because is. Because of the resurrection, everything has changed. Everything has changed because. Because of the resurrection, because of the resurrection, it shapes our orthodoxy and, or it, it defines our orthodoxy and it shapes our orthopraxy. And I've used those words before. It shapes our it shapes our orthodoxy and our orthopraxy. Orthodoxy is what we believe. It's what you and I believe. It's, it's the faith that we have. We believe that the grave is empty. We believe that Christ has risen from the dead. We believe because of the cross we can receive grace and mercy and salvation given to us freely by the Father. Freely. That's a huge because. And we believe in that. That's our orthodoxy. That's what we believe. Hopefully we believe that. But it doesn't stop there. It pushes and shapes and drives our orthopraxy, which is what we do. We have our faith, and our faith defines what we do or what we don't do, right? 
If we would go to Matthew chapter 28, we read about after the resurrection, after Jesus meets the Marys on the road, greets them, scares them to death. And then later in that chapter, we read how the disciples' orthodoxy pushed and shaped their orthopraxy and what Jesus told them. Follow along with me if you would. This is what we call the great commandment. So he tells the, he tells the Marys to tell the disciples to go to Galilee, and I'll meet them there, and this is where we're picking up. It says, the eleven disciples traveled to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped, but some doubted. Then Jesus came near and he said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Because of that passage of Scripture, the great commandment, it shapes our orthodoxy and it also drives our orthopraxy. The first thing it does, we believe because of the resurrection, we believe in the authority of Jesus Christ. The authority of Jesus Christ. Notice when we started reading this passage of Scripture. Can we go back a couple slides to the beginning? Listen to what, um, what go forward one more. Listen to this. All authority, this is Jesus telling the disciples, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Do you notice what he's doing first? He doesn't start with a command, but he starts with a claim. He doesn't say, go and do this, but he starts by saying this, because all authority has been given to me, and then he's going to go further with it. And that's what you and I believe. We believe in the authority of Jesus Christ. And let me say this, and I don't want, I'm going to ask for forgiveness right up front, because this may offend you. And I'm not trying to split hairs here. I'm really not. But I'm trying to make a point about the authority of Jesus Christ. We have this saying, many Christians will say it, I've said it, many of us will say it from time, we'll say something like this, we'll say, today I'm, I'm making Jesus my Lord and Savior. I'm making Jesus my Lord and Savior. I think we need to really think about that for a second because Jesus isn't just our personal Lord and Savior. Meaning that regardless of what we think, Jesus is Lord of all. Regardless if I think that he's Lord, regardless if you think he's Lord or you don't think he's Lord, it really, it's inconsequential because all authority has been given to Jesus Christ and he is Lord of Lord and King of Kings. Paul tells us in Philippians, he says that one day, every single knee, <clears throat> every single knee will bow and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of Lords and King of Kings, right? Every knee will bow. The question is, we live on this side of the cross. We live on this side of his return. And we have the opportunity to receive his free gift of grace and salvation. And, to, and acknowledge that he is Lord of, Lord of Lord and King of Kings. The thing of it is, when will we do that? Will we do it on this side of, of his return? Or will we do it when we have to do it? Does that make sense? 
Because one day he will return and every single knee will bow and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, Lord, Kings of King of Kings. All authority has been given to him. Let me share with you. If we would go into the Gospels, and especially with Matthew, but if we go into the Gospels, we see this. The disciples saw this. Do you remember the time when uh, the, he, they were in the boat? He tells them to go across the you know, Sea of Galilee, and they're in the boat, and it becomes, and, and Jesus is with them during this time, and he's asleep. You remember that whole story where he's asleep at the head of the boat, and the storm comes up, and the boat is going down, and they're fearing their lives, and they go to him, and they're like, do you not even care that we're going to die? Do you not even care? And he gets up, and what does he do? He calms the storm. He calms the storm. And we see in that picture that he has authority even over nature. Do you remember what the disciples did too? Remember, remember when, they, when they saw that? They're like, how does the wind, how does the storm, how does nature even listen to this person of Jesus? Because he has authority over nature. Throughout the Gospels, we read about his authority over diseases. You remember he would, heal, he would uh, give people their sight. When Jesus would speak, things changed. When Jesus spoke, he made blind people see. He made lame people, crippled people walk. He raised people from the dead. He, res- you know, he, he raised people from the dead as Lazarus, with the Lazarus story. He healed people with leprosy. And he gave people dignity. And one time, he even cast out, or a couple times, he casted out demons. Remember the whole legion story? Even the demons recognize the authority of Jesus. So he has authority over nature. He has authority over disease and demons. We read about that and see that in the Gospels. He has authority over sin and death. You remember the story where, the, where uh, some, of the, some of the guys had, there was like four, what, four, three or four guys and they had a friend that was crippled. And remember Jesus was in, in a house and they were teaching. There was a bunch of people there and these guys cut a hole in someone's roof and lowered down this guy to, in the presence of Jesus to be healed. And Jesus not only healed him, but he also forgave him of his sins. And uh, uh, demonstrating his authority over even, uh, even death. But, he, but sin, he forgave people of sin, restored them with the Father, with us. Those of us that received his free gift of grace and salvation, we confess that he, is, that he is Lord of Lords and King of Kings. We now have a relationship with the Father. We're now no longer separated from the love of the Father. He has authority over our lives. Whether we give it to him or not, Jesus has the authority. He has authority over every single life. So the first thing that we believe when we, when we think about the resurrection and we look at this passage that, that Matthew records for us in his gospel, we see that Jesus has authority over all things. He makes the claim. I have authority over all things. Because of that, now it's going to drive orthopraxy. It's going to drive what we do. Look what he told the, the, the uh, disciples in verses 19 and, tw- and the first part of 20. He says this. Now, after he claimed his authority, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have, com- I have commanded you. Let me tell you something. This is not about consumer Christianity. This is not about consumer Christianity. This is not about what makes me comfortable, comfortable what tickles my gizzard, right? 
what gets me all excited, that has nothing to do with it. This is about the authority of Jesus Christ in doing what He has instructed me to do, has instructed you to do. This is not consumer Christianity. Yes, we are the recipients of His love, but now He's telling us, go. Go and make disciples. It's not what, you know, about what it is about me, but it's about Him. Not, I don't ask myself, you know, what about me? But I ask the question, what about him? What is it that Christ wants to do in and through me now? How does Christ want me to go and make disciples? This is not about comfortable Christianity either. This is about dying to ourselves. You remember that story? I think it's in Luke, I think it's Luke chapter 9. Luke records this where someone said, I'll be your disciple. And Jesus tells, and I'm going to paraphrase here, but Jesus tells them, you got to deny yourself. That's the first thing you got to do. You got to deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me daily. That means on a daily basis, you and I have to ask the question who am I going to follow? Is it going to be me or is it going to be Jesus? It's not about me. When we receive his free gift of grace and salvation, and because of the death and resurrection of Christ and him having authority over all things, it's not about me. It's all about him. So every day I have to get up, you have to get up, and you're faced with that question. Who will I follow today? Will I deny myself and and pick up my cross and follow him? Or will I make it about me? About my plans, my ideas, my perspective of things? Or is it about Jesus? So it's not about comfortable Christianity whatsoever. It's about dying to ourselves. Dying or denying ourselves and picking up our cross and following. This is something that's going to cost you everything. This is something that costs us everything. And what does that really mean? Let me share this with you. What that means is, again, it's no longer about me, but it's about him. And one of the ways that is demonstrated is through baptism. Baptism demonstrates, and this is how we believe. We don't believe that we believe salvation here at Element. We believe salvation happens before baptism. And so now I'm a different person, right? And so what we believe in with baptism is this. Baptism is this outward sign to people to say, it is no longer about me, it's all about Jesus. I am not living my life for myself because of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and I believe that the tomb is empty. My life is surrendered to him, and it's all about him. Baptism says to the public, I am no longer me, I am all about him. That's what that means. Paul talks about that too, how we, how we start off kind of one way and we go under the water and we come up someone different. Again, nothing magical happens, but it is an outward proclamation to people. That's why we do it in the public. That's why we do it and we have a service and we rejoice and we celebrate because someone is saying, I'm going to deny myself and I'm going to follow Jesus. It's about him. So I would encourage you, if you've never been baptized, please let us baptize you. Let's celebrate. Make that claim. But that's what that means. That's what baptism, it's saying it's going to cost me everything and I'm going to do it. We share the word. This is how we make disciples. We go. We share the word. We live the word. We teach the word. This is not about my opinions. It's not about your opinion. (laughs) It's not about my perspective. It's not about our good ideas. It's about what God says through his word. What does God tell us? How does, how, you know, we look to the word for truth. That's where we find truth. 
We scrub up everything we hear. The philosophies of this world that we may entertain at times, we scrub it up against the Word of God. What does the Word of God have to say? What does the Word of God have to say about who I marry, who I date? What does the Word of God have to say of how do I raise my kids? How do I spend my money? What does the Word say? Not some other person's opinion. What does God say? And we teach that to people. And we don't teach what we think. We teach what the Word says. And then we serve. And we serve. And we serve. And we serve. And we serve. We serve one another. We serve others. We serve. And we serve people all for the glory of God. We make disciples of Jesus, not ourselves. So the claim, the, all this authority, we believe in the authority of Jesus Christ, and then we live by the commands of Jesus Christ. And then the last thing is this, we rely on the power of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something. God is not asking you to do anything out of your own strength, because you can't. He's not asking you to do that. We rely upon the power of Jesus Christ. For the second half of that verse 20, look what it says. After he makes the claim, he tells them what to do, and he says this, And remember, I am with you always until the end of the age. I am with you. I am with you. Your spirit. Remember we talked about this a few weeks. If you were here a few weeks ago, we talked about Paul's claim in Colossians uh, chapter 2 where he says this, he says, this is the mystery that I'm, that I'm now proclaiming, and that is this, the Father has, and again, I'm paraphrasing, but the Father has uh, been pleased, is so pleased with his Son that he dwells in his Son, and now his Son does what? Dwells in who? Us. God dwells in us. His Spirit takes up residence inside of us. He guides us and directs us. We lean on Him. We discern things through Him. We rely upon His wisdom, not ours. But Jesus promised us that. He promises us that He will be with us always until the end of the age. This is not, again, based upon our thoughts, opinions, preferences, all that. It's not, and again, it's not based upon our skills and intellects. When we're, when we're told to go, we live and rely upon the power of Jesus Christ. This is his mission that he's sending us on, and we rely upon his power to bring him his glory. The Bible tells us, and Paul teaches us, that every single one of us have been given a gift, at least one gift. I, I want to tell you something. I've met hundreds of people, and I've never met anybody that just has one gift. It seems God is so, so generous with his gifts. And he gives each of us gifts. We have talents. We have giftedness. We have skills. It all comes from him. The question becomes, what will, will we rely on his power and use those gifts for his glory? Or will we take them and use them for our glory? But we, we, live, we use the power that he gives us. By the way, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20, he says this, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. And I want to tell you something. There, you and I both know we're around a lot of people that all they do is talk. And they just talk, 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 talk. And it's never shown or demonstrated out in their actions because they're not relying upon the power of God. Paul reminds us and tells us the kingdom of God is not about talk, but it's about power. This is a mission that's based upon who Jesus is and what he is able to do in people's 
lives. As the worship team comes back, we're going to close with one last song, but I don't know where you are in your faith. I, I would never assume that you've received the free gift of grace and salvation. I would never assume that. I hope and pray that you have. I hope and pray that today, might, if you have not, that today might be the day as you leave this place, as you leave this building, that you walk out knowing that you firmly believe in the authority of Jesus Christ. That you've confessed and you profess that He is who He is. And He's not just some personal Savior, but He is Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And if you haven't done that, this is, this is the time. He's pursuing you with His love, His incredible love. He's pursuing you with that. And all you have to do is turn and receive. Maybe you're sitting in here this morning, and let's be truthful, you're, you're a Christian, but you're really not living in the power. It's more about you. You really, you, you struggle with that denying self, which, which we all do. But let's be honest, you kind of give in more to self than you do Jesus. Maybe today's the day, it's like, you know what, this, this, I'm done with this. Maybe today's the day you turn and you bow one more, you bow to him again and you say, God, I'm, I've been living my life more for me than for you. And you're going to leave today excited, encouraged, because you're going to be refreshed and renewed with the with power of his spirit. Maybe you're in here this morning and you're all out living for him. And I just want to encourage you to keep doing it and to share it and let that just influence others around you. Today is an incredible day because the tomb is empty. Jesus is alive. Our faith hinges upon that. And I probably don't have to remind you that if there was still a person in that tomb, why would we even be here? It's all wishful thinking. It's all just hoping at that point. But we don't believe that. And because we believe that it's empty, we surrender to his authority. We believe in his authority. And we, 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 all, we are all about following him, living out his commands, and relying upon his power. I hope you have a great Easter. And I hope that you leave here a different person than when you walked in. Whether you've been renewed, refreshed, reminded, whatever it is, I pray that you leave here a different person. But the one thing that I pray more than anything else, that today, when we leave this place, we exalted Jesus Christ. It's about Him. And when we exalt Jesus, that's when He draws people to Him. So I pray that we exalted Him today. Would you stand and let's respond to him by this one last song, however you want to respond, but I pray that in your heart of hearts, you would just respond to him.